Welcome to Queerly Forward, a podcast that explores queering our healing through pleasure, holistic well-being, and collective liberation. We are your hosts, Bex Lips and Morgan Vanderpool, two queer neuro-spicy therapists and community builders co-creating conversational containers for co-liberation. Let's, Let's dive in. in. What does it mean to queer our healing? Endless possibilities. What does it mean to queer our healing? Letting wild nature lead. Come with your questions, come with your magic. Come, 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 come. Welcome back to Queerly Forward, y'all. I could not be more just enthused, joyful, and grateful for the conversation that we get to co-host today with one of my dearly beloveds, Grace Towers. You all are in for such a fucking treat. Um, yeah, Grace, thank you so much for coming to spend time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with y'all. Yay! Oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, for those of, it that, those of you who may be able to get to watch this, uh, we get to share space today with on-purpose recordings and you'll get a little bit of spice into the living room setup. So we feel like, you know, bien en hogar um, and very well yeah, taken care Yeah, we're chilling today. Yeah. We're cozy. We got out of our, our little studio box and now we're in this, this expansive studio living room setup. Yeah. It's cozy. Oh my goodness. Well, I wanted to share a little bit of an origin story about how Grace and I are connected. Um, and then I want to launch into just like hearing the lusciousness of your wisdom, Grace. Um, Grace and I got to meet at UC San Diego about 20 years ago um, in the dance department and then had the absolute blessing to be able to live with one another after that co-creative experience um, as Grace was blossoming into what is now her flourishing and ever abundant career in drag um and life and everything <laughs> uh and so i'm just so grateful for like the, the longevity of our connection um and you're going to hear a lot more spanglish today than you might have on other episodes um and we're just going to roll with it um so grace something that you have taught me that i am so um <laughs> curious about hearing from you is like when i walk into your home and when anybody does in san francisco there's this beautiful phrase that echoes down the hallways of like welcome homo and I would just love to hear what that means for you, how you greet folks that way. You know, let's start there. Welcome homo, baby. Welcome homo. It's it's so simple and yet encapsulates so much of um, the ethos of arriving, of a grounding, of a warm hug, of a big wet kiss, of, <laughs> of, of looking at each other in the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's this um it's this phrase that I think says so much with perhaps so little. And what all does it say for you? What else what all does it say for me? Well, I mean, again, I think it really allows for 
an arrival, a grounding, a welcoming of possibilities. It really is not just a one-sided conversation. It's really like this exchange that happens. It's like the beginning of, where have you been? (laughs) What's going on? Let's catch up. You know, it's like this invitation of, of, of what's, what's to come, which usually when those moments happen, when somebody comes into either my space, which is my home or, or an event, a gathering, this welcome homo is just this invitation to, for more, this invitation to let it be as is. You can be just as you are, just as you've arrived. It could speak to the possibilities of going deeper when the time and energy allows. It speaks to beyond us, beyond you and I, but like who we're surrounded by, you know, the ethos of uh, surrounding ourselves with people that have inspired, have been a part of our lives in the past, these ancestries, el futuro, la gente que todavía no conocemos, pero que son parte de nuestra vida sin saberlo. Mm-hmm. It encompasses all of that. <laughs> and at the same time, is just a literal moment this fleeting ephemeral uh connection that has to be nothing more than what it is and it echoes so deeply in me especially as a a later in life coming out queer i should have known way long ago but who knows you know (laughs) la vida es como es (laughs) and yeah i think you know getting to share that phrase with you too grace has kind of put next to one another like the difference between coming out and coming home and like in our queer community, what it means for us to like weave a sense of being able to like come home to ourselves and come home to community. Um, that just echoes so deeply when, when you greet me that way and when we greet each other that way in community. Um, what I was so impressed by with the, the phrase, you know, welcome homo is like also this, you know, parallel being able to bring it into relationship with like coming home to ourselves rather than this idea of coming out. Like, so as queer Mm -hmm. community, like, it is about us coming home to one another, to come home to our practices, to come home to our land, to come home to our ways of dancing, to come home to our art forms, to come home to our fashion, to come home to our bodies, Um, Mm. rather than this, like, I need to come out. And, like, um, you hold such a, like, deep taproot as this, like, you know, matriarch of your community, if I may call you that. Um, of like being able to hold like a place for folks to come home to their queerness in such a sweet way and potent beyond belief. Um, I'm just such a deep admiration of you. (laughs) I I appreciate all those reflections. Thank you. And um, I graciously receive them. I I think we've spoken about this and it reminds me oftentimes of that nuanced conversation and language that we do have around coming out and the impetus of coming out as that being informed by the needs of people outside of us. And the coming home definitely kind of reimagines that conversation as an inquiry of what do, what are our needs? What are our, why do we have these conversations? Do we do these for, do we, do we, do we do the things we do for other people or do we do them for ourselves as well? Yeah, and I think that's such a important thing when we're talking about coming out or coming home is like 
whenever someone is ready to uh, have that be a, a part of their uh, existence, <laughs> it is um, it is a choice. It is um, a really beautiful and potent way of acknowledging who we are as people and you know for better or for worse that it is not always received super well by uh others depending on where we grew up or you know who our blood family is where our communities are um and so I, what i like about the idea of like coming home is um this acceptance of oneself as a queer human and being like welcomed into the fold of queer community. Like you belong here. You deserve to be your full self, uh, whatever that looks like for you. And like, we're happy to like hold space for you to do that. Um, and then, I mean, just thinking about how one never comes out only once <laughs> in one's life. It is again and again and again and again. Um, Constant transformation. <laughs> Emphasis on the trans. On the transformation. Um, and how that can be such a... Uh, somewhat of a draining experience <laughs> after a while of having to come out and come out and come out. But having to come home again and again, that is like a, that's like a comforting experience to me. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that kind of reconfiguring of, I was, I was talking to Morgan last night and briefly tapping into missing home, you know, that feeling of missing home, which makes it less energy, less of an energy suck, you know, like I love that sensation of missing home, that there's something here for me. And I hear you speaking about, um, you know, the, the, the possible conflict that a lot of queer and trans folk face with blood families, not necessarily dealing with coming out in ways that are appropriate or supportive or um, affirming and coming home. Also for me, I sometimes equate with chosen family, mm. which I think is super special and important um, and an integral part of queer and trans folks' journeys as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I feel like queer or chosen family um, in some spaces evolves out of necessity is like I've been disconnected from my family of origin and I want to establish new uh, community and family that fully accepts me for who I am. Um, and also like, I, I'm a person who is, you know, fortunate to have a very accepting family, uh, uh, a blood family that's very accepting of my queerness. Um, but I still get to choose my family as well. You know, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be from that, that place of, of, of brokenness, but just the, there's power in choosing people. There's power in choosing mm -hmm. 
and choosing ourselves and like choosing the people that can see us and hold us and be in complexity together and be in mess together and um, celebrate together and cry together and, you know, do all of the things that uh, that families do. Mm-hmm. Grace, I know. Yeah, that... I... Oh, go ahead, babe. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I just would be so curious to whatever way you want to weave this into the next thing that you share um, is the like the layers of unfolding that you have moved through with your family of origin, especially culminating in this like amazing opportunity that you get to have to go home for their pride. Um, so however you want to tell that story, like I'm here for it. And I know Bex is too. <laughs> yeah, I really ex- I appreciate Bex your um, in somewhat a clarification and also just like a, a, a stance for the complexities of having families that actually are affirming and supportive of queer and trans folks, which is absolutely amazing to see and appreciate from afar. That was not my experience and and um, find mm. the chosen family component of um my journey as a necessity Mm. like that was a saving grace for me literally Mm. and it's been the platform from which I've found so much healing and done so much of my own personal work and have then found the courage the resources to then kind of go back into communication and deep process with my family. And it's been a journey that I, to be quite honest with, I speak very candidly about never really anticipated because it was Mm. not something that I saw as an option. And I appreciate kind of that reflection of complexities that it's not one or the other, but that there's a lot of in-betweens. And I definitely now as a queer person who has met and been in, conversation and discussion and just deep practice with community that those nuances exist in such beautiful ways but when I was deep in that moment of coming out to my family it was so complex and I only saw it as such like a negative experience Mm. so when I left and left to San Diego it was because I needed to get out of San Maria and I needed to get away from my family I needed to get away from this toxic environment that was really not affirming of my identities and I, 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 that was like, that chosen family was a saving grace. Um, and needless to say, you know, I, I am so grateful um, of all that that has taught me and all of those really, really complex um, lessons that to this day, I, I, I relive this weekend when I'm talking to my mom for uh, Mother's Day after, you know, taking quite some time of not doing that, just like really reflecting on the timeline. And as my parents are getting older and aging, really simmering on what it is that keeps families together sometimes. And then I hear from friends and partners and folks in community of, you know, the boundaries that we've developed around family members where, you know, there's this kind of understood um this understanding of like, you know, through thick and thin and uh, blood and 
you know, like your blood family is always going to be there. And yet sometimes it's important to understand that that doesn't actually serve me. You know, I decided for some time that that was not going to be the path that I was going to find the most support from and specifically said to my parents, I don't think we're supporting each other right now. And mm-hmm. I think you're hurting me and I'm hurting you. And I took a lot of time to process what those really early years kind of brought out in each of us, which were not the best parts of us. And I am really grateful that that at an early age, I had that kind of um, understanding. I reflect upon that and think sometimes, you know, as a, I came out fairly early, I think I was 16 and um, really kind of always knew of my queerness and otherness and my fabulosity. I remember (laughs) choreographing dances in my garage for my family gatherings at like five, you know, singing and dancing to Eres Piel Morena with like 16 of my cousins, like trying to get this production number in my garage. (laughs) And, you know, everybody knew, Uh you know, and when I really found the words to come to this conversation with family, it wasn't well received. And there were, you know, really toxic masculinity issues with my parents being very culturally machista, Mexicanos, very religious, um, Catholic upbringing, and, um, you know, nuanced conversations that I didn't necessarily understand or know how to approach at that time that had to do with my parents being immigrants from Mexico and giving us an opportunity as first-born American, Mexican-American folks. And it's just like, there was so much that I didn't necessarily know how to navigate. But I remember thinking sometimes there was a moment where I was, I, I reflect upon it now and think, wow, I really did just at 16 say, you know what? I'm gay, I'm queer, I'm a faggot, I'm a flamer, I'm a dancer, I'm an artist. Fuck 50 years of your life. It's not this, it's this. Mm-hmm. And I thought like, wow, I really did try to like flip a switch with them and had really no compassion for their process or their upbringing or their um, history really. And I, I I have much more compassion for them now and realize they were doing the best that they could. Um, they were hustling, working really hard and didn't spend a lot of time having those really deep conversations with their kids because they were working all the time. And I sit back and really reflect on, you know, what it, why I thought I needed for it to be that way. Um, And I have more questions than I have answers, but it was very clear to me that we didn't have the communication skills to really kind of navigate that at that time. As time went on and I took some space from them because we were just not supporting each other and honestly just being very hurtful and bringing out the worst in ourselves as communication skills kind of were developing. Um, I like flourished in my queerness, flourished as a community organizer and my I later understood this more clearly, but it was really about showing my parents that the fears that they had about how they understood queerness, how they thought that 
their son was not going to be successful, was never going to be um, happy, was never going to be loved, was going to die mm-hmm. of AIDS. You know, all these misconceptions that are so clearly and stereotypically, I think, understood by a certain demographic, whether it be because of their education level, whether it be because of their immigrant status, whether it be because of um, their lack of the English language. Like, I remember specifically saying, wow, I can't say, first of all, I can't tell my mom I'm gay because she doesn't even know what the fuck that means. Second of all, I can't tell my mom, mom, soy homosexual. Because that is such a loaded word in Spanish that I didn't really identify with. Mm. And I just realized I actually don't have the language to communicate to her what I'm feeling or how I identify. So there's this interesting nuance there that I was really trying to just figure out the words, figure out the language. And as oftentimes happens for me, when words fail me, I turn to my art and my sister, Anais, who's also a le- out lesbian, is younger than I am, still lives in Santa Maria. Um, I remember when she came out and it really brought my family and I back together because I remember coming back and talking to my parents and saying, we've had a really difficult time. And I just want you to reflect on what's that, what's, what that th- has done for you and I. And I would really recommend that you not recreate that for you and your daughter Mm. and really trying to help them understand that there was a choice to be made now that they had a second opportunity. And I really remember that moment where I just so, I was so critical about you will not do to my sister what you did to me. It was a very defensive moment, but I also did it in a way that felt very inviting. Like this is an opportunity. And I think that really helped solidify the kind of the next steps of our journey. And eventually me and my sister and an organization that um, uh, she's a part of called Hope in Santa Maria, which is where I'm from in the Central Coast, started the first gay pride um, in Santa Maria. It's been a few years now. And I get to come back and partake and host shows and bring folks from the Bay Area and beyond. And I love doing this. And one of the times my, I jokingly said to my sister, which me and my mom were on speaking terms, but you know, it was complex. You know, maybe mom should come. (laughs) Didn't expect this to happen, but she came. She'd (laughs) never seen me perform. She'd never seen me in drag. I've never talked to her about drag. And I mean, drag is a big part of my journey. And I see her in the audience and she's crying and sobbing. Mm. And I'm just like trying to hold it together. And it was so beautiful. And yet there was so much tension because there was this unspoken connection that I I felt something had shifted. I didn't see her after the show. I go home to say goodbye as I'm preparing to leave Santa Maria after Pride. And I go to her house and I'm like shifting things around in the house, trying to avoid the conversation and really just trying to get out. And she comes up to me. She says, she puts her hand on my shoulder. She says, mijo, can I give you a piece of advice? And I'm thinking, shit's going to hit the fan. <laughs> like, where's the door? I, where, I need an exit. And I'm just like, think, my heart sinks. I'm thinking like the worst thing. And she looks at me and she says, 
You should wear lighter colors so your eyes pop. Oh! <laughs> yeah. We just we just collapse in in this moment of both resilience, time and space. The ephemeral life is so fleeting. There was just so much that was healed in that moment. And it took a lot of time, a lot of work mm. and a lot of space. And um, I do now understand that it took her seeing the activation of what I do with community organizing and how I present the work that I do with performance as truly a ritual for myself and others. Mm. Um, and I'm so grateful for those moments. I now go home and, you know, the next time I went home after that, she's like, oh, I got you this dress. I got you this jewelry. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Where's <laughs> the... <laughs> it was just like. She's on board such... now. She's. <laughs> I just had no, literally no idea that that would be the person that I would have as an ally in my mom. Mm. And. It's such a gift. I called her, you know, my sister and I, my sister, she's, she's, she's has good intentions and sometimes doesn't communicate as um, I think as clearly as she would like, or we have different communication styles. So I was getting ready for a gig yesterday, which you saw me all dressed up for Morgan. And I was getting ready and I called my sister and we're on FaceTime and I was like, let me talk to mom. And she's like, Oh, I don't want her to see you like, this i'm like like what like i'm getting ready for work you know like <laughs> and it was funny because it really made me doubt like the kind of work that we have done my sister still is still working my i have a youngest sister let me let me clarify who's you know still working through some of her i think deep rooted homophobia and she's not queer and that's something that i just hold space for because I think there's other um, factors that we're working through as a family with her. Um, and yet I, I talked to my mom, she put her on the phone. She's like, Oh, mijo, you're, you're going to work today. I was like, yeah, mom, I have a great show. I'm working with this high school group. And she's like, Oh, what are you going to wear? And it was just like, it was a sweet moment of like a reminder of a reaffirmation. I was like, Oh, we're, we're good. You know, like it felt, mm -hmm. it feels so re-energizing now. And I, 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 I've learned, for example, one of the things that's been really fruitful is that there's been so much time that I felt was lost in some ways and that I look back and think like, why now? You know, I want to say like, why, why, why? And then I find myself getting lost in that rather than taking up or picking up right where we are right now. Hmm. And then it feels like I'm continuing the cycle of wasting time in some ways. It's been a very deep journey and um i'm super grateful for that and I've, i have to remind myself that none of that time was actually lost it was a lot of work that happened during that time mm. completely out of left field for me i didn't think that that was going to be possible mm. yeah. <laughs> that tells you a little bit about my family <laughs> oh wow that's so beautiful to to hear this part of your story and and to um 
to hear some of the like unexpected catharsis of of coming, you know, back around full circle into connection and just just holding the hope that that could be possible. Um, you know, it, you didn't imagine that that was possible, but what part of what made it possible was you going out and living your full ass life, you know, mm -hmm. regardless mm -hmm. of what your family thought you were like, you know, that was not going to stop you from creating community and, you know, becoming the, 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 the queer, like, mentor that you needed and then like could be for for your sibling oh my gosh I'm like I'm like so inspired <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> and one piece of the backstory that I absolutely love getting to like be a friend on the side watching like how close or not Grace could be with her family over the years and mm -hmm. like there was this one point when like you know things were very tight and um like Grace your mom wanted you to be a pastor uh-huh like mm. grace's mom's vision is grace being a pastor and like before the reconnection even happened i was like grace babe like grace you're doing it like you are the, like the fucking pastora <laughs> of the dractivists in san francisco like you are completing your mom's vision and your I, I you know i you know there's been more than one person praying for y'all's reconnection like i just want to like say like we've been mm. witnessing this like you're doing it. You're doing what your mom heard from spirit in the depths of her prayers. Like you were doing it 100% and that like, you know, 1000% you. And like the ripple effects of the work that you have put out in the world are just like so profound and like for sure catalyzed by your mom's prayers. Mm. Like Grace will become the kind of pastor <laughs> that she's meant to be. <laughs> oh, that's you beautiful. Know? That's that's so funny. And I totally um, appreciate you just like reflecting and remembering that. That's so absolutely true. And I oftentimes tell her, you just didn't, you didn't ask specifically. <laughs> <laughs> you did not manifest write the fine print. <laughs> you did not read the fine print. Well, kind of on, um, I would love to talk about um, and hear more about your experience with drag. And, you know, I, we're all performers here. Um, uh, Morgan and I do both burlesque and drag. And um, I know we talk about all the time and we will talk about more on the podcast of just like how how transformative um, both art forms can be. Um, Performance art in general, but I would love to hear more about your experience with drag, um, what it's what it's uh, the impact that it's had on your life and the impact that uh, it's had on your community as well um, as a tool for mm -hmm. transformation and liberation. Yeah, I absolutely love that I get to um, chat with also with people who are also performers. It's it's oftentimes <laughs> and we're like hey, find, we haven't been yeah. moving <laughs> <laughs> it's oftentimes i find myself more sharing 
my journey than actually just having a discussion about it. And a lot of that sometimes just happens by being observed on stage, which I think is also, I realized through the pandemic how important performing actually is for me. Mm. You know, the creation, the execution, the envisioning, the creative process. I mean, there's just so many moving parts that fuel and fill my heart, my soul, my being. I am a maker to the core. Mm-hmm. And I express and process so much of what I can't put into words, sometimes on stage, but many a times before it even gets to stage. Mm. I have been changed and forever will be grateful for the craft that is performance and movement and creation and art in general. You know, it's so subjective um, what we can call that, but whatever it is that it's been for me, it's been encompassed, it has encompassed movement, uh, garment creation, wig styling, makeup, painting, uh, props, collaboration is huge for me. Mm. Um, And, you know, it all started with me being in my garage at five years old, thinking like, wow, I want to dance. Oh, wow. I have 16 cousins here. Let's get them all to dance together. (laughs) And I have an amazing family who sings at every gathering. And it, it was a very culturally infused performance aspect, right? I love mariachi, me encanta el folclorico. That's really where I started dancing. My parents were like, okay, you want to dance? That's great. But you could do folclorico, which is, you know, a, a, a portal. It, it allowed me to find the stage. And I was really grateful for that. I then moved into cheerleading, which I was talking about second coming outs, like constantly coming out. Like I remember crying to my mom thinking like, how the fuck am I going to tell my mom that I'm a cheerleader? You know, like, (laughs) but wait, I'm a cheerleader. (laughs) Exactly like that. And it didn't go well. (laughs) And I found more of that desire for choreography and movement and expression and self-exploration and that kind of magic that happens with other performers who are also not necessarily knowing how to put it into words but then Mm. we can make a dance about it Mm -hmm. uh really powerful really really powerful and of course there's the dynamic that happens when there's this energetic exchange within an audience and a performer an artist on stage that's so ephemeral yet so impactful for me I, as Morgan mentioned, we um, met at UCSD where I was also studying dance and um, took my first dance class, you know, like at UCSD and like fell in love and was working with amazing choreographers, amazing professors, amazing uh, student body facilities that really just it was the first time where I felt nurtured in that space, in that realm, in that conversation of not product, but exploration where Mm. I could sign out a studio and just show up with five friends and see what would come. It was delicious, delicious, meaty, juicy, weird, no, nothing in mind for it needs to be this. It just was. And Mm -hmm. I just remember those moments with such um, appreciation for possibility. Mm. And those moments were 
really transformative for me. It really allowed me to start thinking about how I am the sum of all of the things that I have done in my life and how those could transpire into uh, being expressed via movement. Mm -hmm. I started drag in San Diego as well. I did it for Halloween with my queer drag mother. Her name is La Vida Cruz. She's amazing and still works in San Diego as a drag performer. Oh, hey. They have been at a location, which is a restaurant and kind of maybe dinner, theater slash uh, bar that is called Lips. Todavía está ahí. Oh, my it's God. It's still there. still driving. <laughs> Shout out to all my Lips divas. I yes. showed up on maybe Thursday night, I think it was, Halloween or Friday night with my friend Troy, who's still a dear friend of mine, and La Vida, who basically said, okay, sit next to me and do what I do. So she would put on her foundation and then she'd pass it to me and she said, do what I do. And then she'd <laughs> put on her powder and then she'd pass out a powder, which was four shades too dark for me and do what I do. <laughs> and then she put on, and then I got dressed and did, we did this um, number at uh, Lips. And then a week later they had asked me like, hey, do you wanna come perform here? And I was like, what? <laughs> like as a job <laughs> and it was the quickest yet most unexpected yet most life-changing pivot of the moment after that I was I think working like four nights a week in drag it was incredible mm. and a lot of work <laughs> and I fell in love it was a great way to explore what I had already been thinking so deeply about, but didn't have portals to um, to express through with, that had that had to do with my gender, that had to do with my faggotry, that had to do with my femininity in tapping against and playing with toxic masculinity that I had grown up with. There were so many conversations that I was able to have on stage and in the process of getting ready for stage performances that I just didn't have access to beforehand. I met a lot of really wonderful people. I met a lot of folks that really taught me about the business end of performance and not just the creative process of it, which I'm really grateful for as well. Like I do drag basically full time. I do events now as well. And I'm really grateful for that. And I also work with an organization who picked me up because of my drag and I'm so privileged because of that. I'm so grateful that I get to do that every day. And it really changed when after many years in San Diego, after graduation, I was dancing full-time with um, San Diego Dance Theater. I was dancing with California Ballet here and there. I was rehearsing with um, uh, San Diego Opera and Malashock. I was dancing with um, dancing full-time really and teaching with different high schools and started a drag uh sorry a dance program called dance fierce which was kind of the beginnings of my desire and my intentions to really reconnect with youth and be more of a mentor um really lean into my desire for being a mentor and being of support to youth going through whatever they were going through i just remember thinking i want to be the mentor that i knew i needed at that age mm. And that was such a clear aha moment. And to this day, it's still what I do. Um, after 
being able to connect the work that I was doing with dance and doing drag. I started doing just more performance art, um, drag infused dance pieces and dance infused drag pieces. I was getting booked to do pride gigs that were like really beautiful and extensive productions of um, Lady Gaga performances that I was really popularly known for, (laughs) which I love because they were all dance and they were all really empowering at the moment. She was just coming out and she was one of the divas, you know, and um, that then allowed me to then play more with my gender presentation and thinking about like this whole gender fuckery that I really appreciate. I'm super, um, this, this, I'm such a dichotomy of like the super femininity with super masculine features. And people sometimes look at me and don't necessarily know what they're looking at or how to think or how to approach or talk about it. And I really invite that as part of the drag that I do. I want people to really sit and simmer about the multiplicities of one being and what that could allow for maybe your friend your co-worker your we are everywhere moment you know (laughs) (laughs) and it allowed me to really simmer into a play and presentation of drag that then I I remember that when I started to grow out my beard and doing drag that was bearded Mm. and people were not happy about it in San Diego. Mm. I remember going to the bar and like not shaving my arms and I have hairy, like I'm a hairy faggot, like hairy (laughs) all over. Bless. And and I love, and I did not love when I was in San Diego because unfortunately, you know, it's not what at that day was very popular or thought thought of as beautiful or handsome or Mm -hmm. uh, desirable. And I remember walking to bars and I would get like these shady queens come up to me and they'd be like, rubbing my arm and they'd be like, hmm. (laughs) Spicy. And I just like, oh, the shade. (laughs) The shade. And, you know, at at some point I just started to feel a little out of place, to be quite honest. Mm. Um, at that point I had been doing drag and was still following my journey and was very much deep in my practice and evolution. And there was a beautiful friend, Shane Steele, who, um, was DJing in San Diego and they were booked up here for Folsom and they wanted to bring up some San Diego crew. So the house of steel was born at that moment. And we came up to Folsom street fair to produce some performance in San Francisco. Hell yeah. That was my real turning point aha moment. I fell in love with San Francisco, fell in love with the community, the kind of celebration that happened for otherness, the kind of celebration and um, desire that I felt for myself within the community. The city is gorgeous. I remember I did my bookings and my gigs and I stayed a couple of days extra extending my trip, went to Dolores Park, had a burrito, cried. <laughs> that view just like brought me home. Mm-hmm. And thought, like, what is going on? I just didn't anticipate it. So I didn't anticipate that kind of impact. And I went home, and a month and a day later, I had sold everything and drove up. Hmm. No questions. Mm-hmm. After landing here, I mean, it's been a journey. I remember I just spoke about this yesterday. I remember the first month I arrived and stayed with my friend, um, my the only person I knew up here. Frank Dominguez out in the sunset. It was so cold, so, so cold, so gray. I thought, did I make a mistake? <laughs> in my, I had just left San Diego, which is gorgeous weather. I, you know, successful career dancing, teaching. The drag was fine. Did I make a mistake? Am I like going to hate it here? 
And I did drag for 30 days straight and every day took the Muni out to the Castro or to the Soma to meet people and just say, hi, my name is Grace. I'm looking for a room and I'm looking for gigs. Book mm-hmm. me. <laughs> I found a job. I was working the door at the stud, <laughs> pulling looks, met some great artists there, good people. Um, started my first performance was with Cookie Dough, Rest in Glamour Cookie, at the Edge in the Castro, started doing shows with Heclina, Rest in Glamour Heclina, who just passed, an icon here in San Francisco. Mm. Um, and then just started doing gigs all over. And then I started my own show in the Castro at Moby Dick Bar called uh, Dick at Night. And we started that with Kevin Hoskins and my dear friend Mateo as well, Rest in Glamour and Aviva. Mm. And a bunch of other really amazing folks. We ran that for five years as a weekly every Wednesday, which was a lot to do. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that, that became a really beautiful exploration of sharing the stage with other performers. And we had themes like Baby Queens, where we had like newbies coming in to do performances. We had five years worth of booking people from farm local that allowed me to really nurture my emceeing skills, you know, like talking in public. That's one of the things that mm. drag has really given me. Like I'm a fairly introverted, quiet person and drag has given me a portal to explore beyond that. So grateful for that, but it's completely learned and it takes practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as of now, I doing more events and focus on doing drag um, at those events I do bookings outside of that to travel and do prides. I'm excited to do San Diego Pride again this year. I'm doing Santa Maria Pride. I'm doing a bunch of other bookings that I do mostly out of San Francisco. But for here, I'm, I've taken some time away from doing other um, shows just so I can focus on the events that I've been producing. And it's been magical. The portals that are opened towards internal work the discussions that happen in my mind that are then expressed on stage. I feel like that's part of my pastora, you know, I I think that's part of my church in some ways. And, you know, I use the church term quite loosely. I think that the drag and gatherings that I do, there's a overlap in themes of creative exploration, self-expression, love of self and community development you know there's this this intergenerational exchange that i really appreciate there's this mentorship component that i really appreciate the ability to tap into body positivity the ability to tap into conversations about consent sex positivity Mm. um kink bdsm you know all just like really opening the portals for um discussion holding space and getting weird and creative about it which Mm. i love and you're so fucking good at it. <laughs> that was a very long answer. <laughs> I loved every second of it. Dude, so rich. <laughs> so, so rich. So rich. Um, well, you gave a a little bit of a synopsis of what you're already up to, but like, um, I'm curious if there's something right now that you are like the most deeply passionate about, whether it's like the impact that it's having the evolution that it's in, you know, um, 
And you did uh, say in a few different instances, like your capacity for community organizing. And um, I know I have a preference to be able to hear about that as well. So. Yeah, I just got back from travels and it's been wonderful to jump back into an abundance of projects, gatherings, and creative collaborations. I love being able to co-create with folks that are also interested in align with the values that I hold with the work that we do. <clears throat> San Francisco is an interesting place to be right now. I find it that there's this really beautiful sense of queer resilience because so many folks had have had to leave throughout either the pandemic and or the really intense rent hikes mm -hmm. throughout time. I just hit my 10 year mark here, which I'm really grateful for and have celebrated every day. Um, but there's a lot of folks that aren't here. So there's this really beautiful sense of resilience with the folks that are here. And financially, it's also an interesting place to be because there's a lot of space opening up. There's a lot of drag happening. There's a lot of resourceful drag happening, which means that maybe we don't need a space. Maybe it happens at the park. Maybe it happens at the beach. Maybe it happens underground at this otherwise unknown venue. Um, and that's really exciting. I have so many beautiful projects that I could just list. And I'm super, super, super have been anticipating for a while to just announce. And I'm finally at the point where I'm like getting ready to do that. We're up on our pride season here and there's a bunch of collaborations that I'm really excited for. And, you know, I, I, I hear you about like, what am I most excited about? I think in some ways there's this really beautiful opportunity that's opened up and that I'm being more receptive to that than I was in the past. But the idea of finding a place or a location where I could hold space for community in a way that is a little bit more aligned fully with my values and or vision so that we can kind of house all of the events that I do and curate is something that I'm really excited for and have started to work on and really definitively call in and be open to. I'm excited for that. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of space being um, left open in San Francisco right now. So I'm trying to figure out what that could look like. Is it a commercial space? Is it a work live space? Um, I used to have an amazing drag lab and then I moved out of the space in which I held it. And in some ways it's been recreated in my um, studio, which is my creative space. But I want this new space to be my drag lab. I want this new space to be the place where I hold heart lab, mm. uh, which is basically a heart circle and community, um, holding space for community in that way. I want this space to be a space where we do the drawn together nude figure drawing sessions that I do. I want this to be the place where we do community potluck. So it should have a kitchen. I want this space to be the place where I do say love, which talks about sex, intimacy, kink and connection. I want this place to be the place where we have af after school programs and have drag labs where we can discuss what it's like to develop your own drag persona or talk about makeup and transformation or to discuss um, 
have different organizations who need space to organize and activate. And I'm really calling in a space. And mm. that's super exciting because it seems quite possible. And I've opened myself up to it. And I think that I'm in a place where I'm able to um, lend more energy into that. So calling that in, calling that in, calling that in, boop, 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 boop. Mm -hmm. I'm calling that in for you. Yes. And us. And us, all of us. Yeah. The just what is possible when we have a space to collaborate in and make our dreams manifest. (laughs) You have so many, you have so many beautiful visions that you have already, you know, brought into being. And um I certainly look forward to hearing more about about the visions that are to come. Yes, and yes. Um, the space is a, 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 one of the things that I think kind of umbrellas a lot of the things that I'm working on. Um, I'm still working very deeply. I'm the programming and coordinator and director for Queens of the Castro, a 501c3 nonprofit that works specifically for providing youth LGBTQI community members with scholarships as well as programming in schools. Um, and I've started the Grace Tower Scholarship for the Arts through them. And that's something that I'm really excited to launch. We'll be launching that again this year. In um, the last 10 years, Queens of the Castro has provided over $250,000 in scholarships, which has been an amazing contribution to a lot of folks. And I'm super, I'm so grateful to be a part of that. Um, I have a bunch of performances coming up. We're performing and doing a memorial for Heklina here on the 23rd, which I will be um, performing for, which I'm really grateful for as well. I'm doing a performance and kind of weird quirky moment for a celebration and discussion with Jane Fonda at the Castro Theater in a month, (laughs) which I'm super excited. Thank you, Maddie, for bringing me into that. Um, We are doing a bunch of fundraising for this scholarship where I do a bunch of drag lab uh, makeup and transformation workshops with my friends Devlin at Queer Arts Featured in the Castro, which is the old Harvey Milk space, historic space. Um, I'm doing a collaboration with uh, the Head West Market at the San Francisco Ferry Building to bring some queerness into the space as a Pride launch um, June 2nd or 3rd, I think it is, or 4th, the first Sunday of June. Um, super excited for that. Um, I'm helping support this comedor comunitario in La Ciudad de México, which is named Manos Amigues, which needs um, some fundraising support. They do amazing programming and provide over 400 meals every day for 11 pesos each meal. And it's focused on providing space for queer and trans folks and visibility um, in a pretty difficult time and space in Mexico City. And it's doing really good work. And my friend uh, Brent Abergini and a bunch of other really great people are supporting that. Um, and they're so, so um, in need of support. So check them out, Manos Amigas. I'm doing Santa Maria Pride on June 10th, which I'm super excited for as well, meeting with my sister. Um, San Diego Pride, I just confirmed yesterday. I'm coming back for that, which is going to be an extensive, really beautiful collaboration with the Old Globe Theater. It's their first time in the parade, and that's a historical moment. Thinking about all the queers that have inspired theater. What would theater mm. be without queer and trans folk? Nothing. Literally nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you know, so much gratitude. Without, without Jews and queers, it literally doesn't exist. 
super, super. Uh, you just had a moment of really simmering with that. I was like, wow, that would be pretty bleak. <laughs> <laughs> Really grateful for that. San Diego Theater, San Diego um, Pride is going to be wonderful with the Old Globe Theater. Um, I am super excited to be working on the events that I'm doing. I still have Say Love, which is an exploration of body positivity, um, kink, BDSM, consent, intimacy, connection. I just started a party called Puti Club, which is an amazing Latinx party with salsa, reggaeton, bachata. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. Literally a vision of mine for the last maybe three years, and it's finally happening. Um, It's been so well received. I'm super grateful. And I just have like my tia fantasy. I'm just like everybody's everybody's tia chela. Yeah, you are. (laughs) Yeah. We, we start so off with incredible. the salsa class and seeing everybody dance and sweat and speak Spanish and bring some melanin back into the mission. It feels so good. Yeah. So grateful for that. We're going to be doing that at Amados for our Pride weekend kickoff on June 23rd. I'm super excited for that. And today I'm launching a campaign that I'm fundraising with um, Steamworks Baths House. Um, they are doing a fundraiser for ACLU Drag Defense Fund, and they're donating 10% of all of their VIP black cards um, sales to the ACLU Defense Drag Defense Fund. And I've partnered with mm. them to do like the photo shoot and media um, promotional media um, images for them. And I'm launching that today. So I'm super excited. That'll bring in a good amount of money for them as well. All right, conduit. Woo! You are one busy biatch. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. I I, I love moving and grooving when it feels like um, there's purpose, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you for all of the 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 beauty and the transformation that you bring into the world through your through your art and through your activism um i i look forward to being able to see you perform <laughs> so it so, sounds like uh, morgan and i need to take a trip down to uh down to oh the God, bay yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> i would love that um it has been so absolutely a, a gift and a blessing getting to getting to hear uh, some of your story, Grace. Um, Thank you so much, Max. And um, I feel like so we've been asking this question to uh, all of our interviewees, um, and um, I, I feel like it's a question that we've literally just been dancing around this this whole <laughs> this whole time, but. I'm curious if you want to bring us home (laughs) full circle with um, what does queering your healing mean to you? And queering our healing. (laughs) I think queering healing for me really speaks to resilience and resilience isn't time bound it's not black or white it's really nuanced it's about listening it's around collaboration it's around outside of me and inside of me i think querying healing 
is about I'm thinking of a word what am I what am I about it's it's not just myself it's about others it's not just about listening it's about internal dialogue it's about Yeah, it feels non-linear. It feels expansive. It feels, yes, and. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and all things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's literally where we started our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Was the yes, and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this coming back, this welcome homo, you know, like this queer healing being about what it's like to navigate the world through a lens that nourishes you and also listens to those that inspire and fulfill and support you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sitting here with such deep reverence um, about the the way that grace you are inviting yourself and inviting those that you hold dear and i include myself in this invitation and bex you're you're now invited to like watching you move through the world memoir is like to watch you laying down what it means to be a good ancestor um and to be an alive and well queer ancestor um and you have invested so deeply into what um, relational structures are necessary. Um, relational structures, both with like Mother Nature, like we didn't even get into like the fucking amazing retreats that you host out in nature <laughs> um, to like bring us to our true mother and to do so with fellow queer and trans folks. Um, but just like a deep bow of reverence to you for for being that in- incredibly brilliant ancestor. Te amo. Te amo. Mil gracias por la reflexión y por verme de esa manera. Yeah, siempre, mi amor. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, for those that don't have the opportunity of necessarily seeing, being with you in San Francisco, um, are there ways that our community can keep tabs on what you're up to? What's the easiest way to access your... Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Um, one of the easiest ways would be to check out my Instagram, The Grace Towers, you could also sign up for my mailing list, which is at gracetowers.com. And um, I post a lot of the upcoming events in those two platforms. Facebook is also a platform that I often post on, but I'm not very active on personally. Um, and if you ever want to like connect about, I don't know, checking in on what's happening when you happen to be in San Francisco, we're also developing like a community calendar that will be on my website that will be sharing kind of what's happening in the queer environment. Um, Yeah, I think those are probably the easiest. Excellent. Clear access points. Love it. Beautiful. We'll put all that in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. A million blessings um, on your life and your work and your light. And thank you so much again for being with us today. This was an absolute fucking delight. Thank you so much for having me, and um, I'm holding you right here. Mm. I press you into my heart. Mm. Thank you for seeing me, and thank you for inquiring about the work that we're doing. I think um, 
as you said, I'm one busy biatch <laughs> and I'm so grateful to love everything that I'm doing and align with not just being busy for being busy sake, but doing it because it feels purposeful. It feels impactful. And especially right now, it feels important mm -hmm. and necessary and necessary. Yes, mm -hmm. it is. It is. All right, Queers. Mm -hmm. All right. Until next time, y'all. We out. Thanks for listening to Queerly Forward. This podcast has been recorded and produced in collaboration with On Purpose Recordings. If you have questions, requests for topics, or feedback about the show, reach for us via email at queerlyforwardpod at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at queerlyforward. Take, Take care, care out there, there queers. queers.